Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, Eric's got some uh, news for us. I do have some news. It's exciting news. The crowd is going wild. The Bible Savvy app is out. Well, we it, it's at least for sure out in the Google Play Store. It's a... Uh, you know, it's a flip of the coin on whether or not it's in the App Store right now for those of you who are iPhone users. But I'm looking at it right now on my Android phone, and it's really great. I'll tell you one thing that's great about it. Everything is right here on one screen. So the daily reading is right there. And then anything you want to jot down, there's a little section to jot any notes or thoughts that you have. And then right below that is another button where you can list your prayers. And so right there, you have your Bible reading, your little journal area, and your prayer life all on one screen. Well done, Bible savvy app makers. Well done. It's awesome. Uh, I just I can't wait to actually look at it. <laughs> Clayton, you shouldn't you're... overpay for an iPhone. <laughs> you get everything about four weeks like after the iPhone. Android users. <laughs> Shush. Hold on, I have to pull up a screen on my iPad right now to pull up the Bible text. <laughs> yeah. Clayton, why don't you tell us what we're looking at today? All right, so we are going to be in First Samuel chapter twenty-two, and uh, let me give you a little context here. That's the first C and comma. Um, we have been reading in the book of First Samuel. First uh, Samuel is really First uh, and Second Samuel are really two parts of one book. They kind of got split in half because of the length of scrolls, uh, but really you we're reading it as one one book. Um, and it's we call it First Samuel, uh, but it probably should be called First David because really he's kind of the central character for the vast majority of the book. Uh, it's things leading up to him and kind of the, the playing out of his life. So David is the main character here, and. Um, as we're telling the story of the life of David, we kind of have two eras. We've got an era where David is the underdog, and then the era where David is king. And so we are currently in the underdog era for David. So he's he's kind of the the, the scrappy, like, outcast guy who, um, like, even the whole David and Goliath thing that we read, like, that's that's the image of him. He's He is definitely not the guy you'd be betting on, and yet God's favored him. And so um, he's the underdog, and currently... The guy he's running from is Saul. Um, he is uh, the the original first king of of Israel, but he has gone south both morally and psychologically. Um, he is um, the the people asked for Saul because they wanted a king like all the other nations. They're like, hey, we want you know all these other nations. They've got this powerful guy who's leading them, and they kind of got that in Saul. But they also got all the other things that came along with it. They got the sort of self-importance. They got the, um, you know, domineering. They got all the other things that that were unhealthy about the kings of the other nations. Um, and it's playing out. Um, so God has chosen David to succeed Saul. But here's the thing David won't do. He will not simply go to war and just fight Saul. David has too much respect for the office of God's anointed king. And he trusts in God enough that he says, I'm going to let this play out and let God put me in the in the role that he wants me in when he wants me to do that. But David's in this weird in-between time. He knows that's where he's going, and so do a lot of people around him, and yet he's still got no power. He's on the run. And so this is the situation that we're in. Uh, David has gone to hide a number of different places. We talked about this last week. And uh, one of the places he went is he said, I'm going to go hide with the priests, okay? Priests are, you know you know, good guys, they're, you know, worshiping God, they're serving the country. And, and he says, I'll at least go to them 
and uh, they'll keep me safe. So he goes and hides with a group of priests for a little while, gets some food. Uh, they have a they have a, a spare sword there that actually is Goliath's old sword. They give it to David, and he's like, "Great, thanks for the help." And he's now on the run again. So he's currently like hiding in that cave we talked about. But Saul is hot on his trail, and Saul finds these priests and says, "I heard David was with you." So that's where the story is going to pick up. Uh, we're going to start reading in verse six, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Now Saul heard that David and his men had been discovered, and Saul was seated, spear in hand, under the tamarisk tree on the hill at Gibeah, with all his officials standing at his side. He said to them, Listen, men of Benjamin, will the son of Jesse give all of you fields and vineyards? Will he make all of you commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? Is that why you've all conspired against me? No one tells me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. None of you is concerned about me or tells me that my son has incited my servant to lie and wait for me as he does today. But Doeg the Edomite, who was standing with Saul's official, said, I saw the son of Jesse come to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, at Nob. Ahimelech inquired of the Lord for him. He also gave him provisions and the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Then the king sent for the priest Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, and all of the men of his family, who were priests at Nob. They all came to the king. Saul said, Listen now, son of Ahitub. Yes, my lord, he answered. Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, giving him bread and a sword and inquiring of God for him, so that he has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me, as he does today? Ahimelech answered the king, who of all of your servants is as loyal as David, the king's son-in-law, captain of your bodyguard, and highly respected in your household? Was that day the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Let not the king accuse your servant or any of his father's family, for your servant knows nothing at all about this whole affair. But the king said, You will surely die, Ahimelech, you and your whole family. Then the king ordered the guards at his side, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because they too have sided with David. They knew he was fleeing, yet they did not tell me. But the king's officials were unwilling to raise a hand to strike the priests of the Lord. The king then ordered Doeg, You turn and strike down the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck them down. And that day he killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod. He also put to the sword Nob, the town of the priests, with its men and women, its children and infants, and its cattle, donkeys, and sheep. But one son of Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled to join David. He told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, That day, when Doeg the Edomite was there, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul, I'm responsible for the death of your whole family. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. The man who wants to kill you is trying to kill me too. You will be safe with me. All right. So it's an ominous story here, uh, but let's start with some observations. What do you guys see? Uh, as I was reading through this, I literally like wrote action movie at the top of my page. Um, it, it's just really... It's it's a really action-packed story. Um, so one thing, okay, that I that I thought was really interesting, right? It's like the scene is set, the conflict is identified, right? And then all of a sudden you've got what's his name, Doeg? 
such yeah. a suck I up. don't know. There were so many hard to pronounce names well, in that reading. Really well. I wanted to throw something at Clayton across <laughs> the room. The, here, here uh, just a little side tip for you. If you are reading the Bible in a group of people, like in a, a community group or something like that, here's what you always have to remember. The other people don't know how to pronounce the names either. So you can basically say whatever you want. I had one person tell me one time when I messed it up on stage while preaching a sermon, I could not pronounce the names and I like stumbled all over the place. They're like, I always just say the first letter. Like they just go through and they're like, A said to B said to, you know, like. <laughs> That's a good way to do it. That's or just give them nicknames. But that that guy, he just started so much trouble. Like he was such a tattler, suck up, however you want to say it. Is that even allowed for me to call <laughs> Can I call him that? The, you just did a little a little context for him too in the in the previous scene when uh, David is uh, w- with the priests, Doeg is hanging out there for some reason. We're not really told exactly what he's doing, but he was like a a witness to that. So he's kind of been introduced already, and you're a little suspicious of him during that time. Um, part of it is he's an Edomite, which means he's he's not like from around here. And uh, Edom and Israel don't always get along, so he's kind of an outsider enemy sort of guy. And don't the Edomites have a terrible reputation for violence? Well, the, it, it kind of goes back to the, like the Edomites came from Esau. So it's like mm-hmm. uh, Jacob and Esau, like Jacob's family became Israel and e, uh, Esau's family became Edom. And there's like like conflict between them. Yeah. So there's always like a, it's a little sibling rivalry. It's a little like, you know, too too close to get along kind of thing. You um, stole my family's inheritance. Yeah. <laughs> type thing. All right, what other observations we got? I don't know why this entered my head, but this is what happens when you when you read the Bible. You can't control the thoughts that come in your head all the time. Uh, for some reason, it made me think about Nazi Germany. And Clayton just yeah. tipped his head to the side. I told you, you can't always control the thoughts that come in your head. I think it's when he's, when he's talking to the priests, and the priests are not willing to go along with him. Yeah. But there were an awful lot of people who were just going along with Saul, even though they knew it was wrong. There was so much pressure and, and honestly, some personal gain of going along with you know when you know something is wrong. And I don't know why my brain just immediately jumped to that, but obviously World War II, how many people just went along? Then you get the Nuremberg trials where they're saying like, but we were all doing this. Like we all went along with this. How can we be held responsible for it? Right, and so I don't know why this this story made me think that, but that's what you have in the story. You have some people that are going along with Saul, and some people that are saying, "I'm not going along with this." Yeah, you get those those amazing stories. Like we're all impressed with the stories of people who are hiding Jews in their homes and what, like, and and you wonder how do you become the sort of person who maybe, maybe it's not as extreme of a situation, but you're like when when it's convenient and everybody else is going along with something, and it would it would cost me to do what I think is right. How do you how do you become that? It's it's it's. A big question. I, I think about, you described um, how it would be um, advantageous to people. I think of that whole opening paragraph. So it's this picture of Saul, and and you, Saul's super worked up about David, right? But you have to look at Saul for who he is. He's, first of all, he's the king, and he's sitting there. Like, it's this whole, like, power move kind of setting where he's got a spear in his yeah. hand. He's sitting sitting under a tree, which is, we think of as, like, that's a relaxing place to go, you know, spend an afternoon. Like, that's a place of authority, like you go sit in the the big tree outside of town, and that's where people come and gather for you know uh, you hold court. So he's sitting there in a place of power in his hometown in Gibeah, where he's from, with his tribe. So his his cronies, his people around him, you know, the tribe of Benjamin, 
And he's saying, can can he, this guy, give you anything? I can give you land. I can give you, I can make you commanders. I can give you titles. I can do all this stuff for you. So he's like in the seat of power. And yet how paranoid is he mm-hmm. about this guy who's hiding in a cave? Like who who is on the run, got nothing. Like he had to borrow a sword. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he is, like David's, a, David's you know, a, a warrior or whatever. But in the scheme of things, like Saul is... He like he's he's setting up the situation where he's like everybody better listen to me because I'm the one in charge I've got all the cards, and yet he's still freaked out. Yeah, when I mean, even in his language, it's like everything is me, me, me. It's like you conspired against me. None of you is concerned about me or tells me these things. You know, and it's uh, even too like thirteen. Why have you conspired against me? He says to to the the priest. Like it's it's just so paranoid. He's it's creepy. Yeah. You know, like I was thinking, I was thinking, can you guys, can you guys like play, play along with this for a second? Can you like play out this scene with your voices? Cause you know, like 11, right? Like, listen now, like through 11 through 13, like play that out with your voices. Think wait, about, wait, like, wait, okay, wait, you so, do you want voice, me and Clayton to do a dramatic reading? Yes. <laughs> no, think about that. Like how, how so did Saul sound? Who's, who's Whoever Saul wants to be Saul. I want to be Stephen B. Stevens. <laughs> and then Ahimelech the priest said... Like, if this was a legit movie, play that, like, put that tone of voice to what he's oh saying. Oh, my gosh. And the priest, too. Like, what what, what does All that right. sound like? What does that feel like? Saul, Saul said, listen now, son of Ahitub. <laughs> is, that, is that what you mean? Yes, yes, yeah. And then, and then how does Eric respond? What's the, what's the priest say? How does it sound? I, I think we finally found a segment that might be dumber than time-ambiguous banter. Yeah. And now it's time for a dramatic reading with... <laughs> Here's here's my thought about this. If you put yourself in that in that position, like Saul is extremely paranoid and he's going around to people and he's like literally taking his position of power and saying like listen now to me, right? And like you the priest like, "Yes? Yeah, yes, my lord. Like what is it?" You know what I mean? Like it's it's this position of power and using it to like undermine everybody around him because he's he wants to be top dog and and David is trying to take something from him. He knows that he doesn't have it anymore because God's literally given it away. And so now he's trying to scramble for everything that he has to get back what, to kind of keep what he, what he thinks he still has, but he doesn't actually have it. Uh, right. the, that The tone of voice thing is, and we, we laugh at it, but it's actually one of the things that when you're reading a story in the Bible, you kind of have to think about because you're, you're probably projecting some idea. And so to actually go through the options and say, is this person cowering? Are they standing tall? Yeah. Are they, you know, it's soft-spoken, loud, whatever. Um, and it's interesting with the priest. The priest, um, you you said, is he cowering? Mm-hmm. Which you're on your first read, you expect him to until you like read the the, the really bold lines later, yep. and you realize this this guy's pretty tough. He like of all the people to stand up to, he's standing up to to Saul, and he's and he's not backing down, and it, it costs him obviously. Mm-hmm. So do you want? I'll read it. I have two voices. So I have like the, the, like I can get worked up. So there's like the worked up, I'm mad voice. And then there's the terrifying, deep, restrained, you're about to die voice. This is the one my kids are like, Like, they know if I go here, they're like, you got quiet and that that means you're really mad. There might be one less member of the family (laughs) soon. Turn the volume down on my headphones. Go for it. Listen now. Why have you conspired against me? I know what you did. You gave him bread and a sword. You actually spoke to God for him. Now, tell me, 
Why did you rebel against me and do that? Mm. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's why he's the boss. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love verse 14. The priest's response, the amount of courage to essentially call Saul out and say, there is nothing wrong with David and there's nothing wrong with what we did. Like after Saul does that to say, I'm not backing down. There's nothing wrong with David and there's nothing wrong with what we did. Holy cow. That guy had to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, what he does though, is he tells a different story. So like that it's, it's, it's the story Saul is saying is, you guys are all against me. You're conspiring against me. And David is chief among it. He's, he's leading the secret rebellion against me. And, and what the priest says is, let me tell you some facts here. Like he's, he's a respected person in the community. He's actually served you for a long time. Like he's telling the story that Saul should be seeing, which is David is a guy you should have on your side. Like you should see that he served you. Um, and yet you're so consumed and so self-protective that you're actually telling something that's inaccurate about the situation around you. What other observations? It stuck out to me that David took responsibility for everybody dying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually says like, come kind of takes them in and takes that guy in and says, come, come stay with me because you're, you know, like you're the person who's, who's after you is after me too. So it's like, Hey, there's safety in numbers. I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. Although I did, I, when I read that, the man who wants to kill you is trying to kill me too. So let's hang out together yeah. so he can find us more conveniently. Like that's, I, I know a nice cave. <laughs> that's another way to look at it. But there, there, there is a, it, it is a small section about David, but it's a huge contrast between David and Saul where, where Saul protects himself at the expense of killing a whole bunch of people and Dal, and, and David risks himself in order to protect all these people. So he's, it's like two different kinds of leadership are, are going on here. Yeah, I mean, there, there's the tragedy too of like Doeg, he doesn't just take out the priests, Mm-mm. takes out the whole town. Um, and what it reminded me of is, you know, like the, the times when there were, you know, like places where they were supposed to like wipe out the town. It's like someone's treating the Israelites, like the Canaanites, like it, like it's the reverse thing here. And it's like, it's a devastating sort of thing and way over the top in terms of uh, Doeg's response. Like this is a, this is a violent dude. All right, let's go on to the first M in comma, which is message. What message did you guys get out of this? Um, I wrote, be careful of your position leading to pride. Um, it's, it's this idea that Saul was so focused on himself, um, that uh, the pride of his position and, and this, this, his power led him to be paranoid and, and that eventually led to his downfall. Uh, mine would be to take responsibility for that, which you can take responsibility for. Did I say too many fours in there? Were there too many prepositions in that? <laughs> say it again. For, for here is my message. <laughs> <laughs> take responsibility for the things you can take responsibility for. And, and some of this is creeping in from earlier parts of the story where Samuel confronts Saul and calls him out on stuff and Saul's not willing to take responsibility. And we see David here taking responsibility for all those people dying, saying like, this is happening because of me, hmm. right? And so there's something about character integrity that says you take responsibility when you can. Yeah. Uh, my message is... If you keep telling yourself a false story, you're going to hurt the people around you. 
And so I, I think I think about Saul with this kind of you know in his little bubble, seeing things the wrong way. And I, I think uh, maybe with less effect, but all of us get in those moments where we uh, portray a situation. Oftentimes, when we feel hurt or we feel threatened, we portray a situation in uh, less than accurate terms that kind of reinforce that sense of I feel like a victim or I feel like a you know uh, like other people are messing it up or whatever, and that almost always ends up hurting other people. Like first of all, it hurts you. Like Saul is not in a good place, but the spill out in the way you react when you keep telling those kinds of stories is really awful. We. Um, Nikki, you and I have had uh, this conversation before where we've talked about like when we're leading a team, um, making sure we're checking the um, the messy first drafts, right? Yeah. Like so uh, people who talk about this will often use more colorful language than that. Uh, but it's the idea that you you tell a bad first draft about the situation. Like in your head, you're saying, what's going on here? And oftentimes your first instinct is to tell a story that isn't quite right and you don't have all the information and you're not and you're hiding some of the facts and you really need to take the time to say, I'm gonna go and and like say, is this really true? I'm gonna ask about someone's motive, I'm gonna, you know, find out what the backstory of that was so that I'm not spinning out the way Saul was doing. Um, and so you gotta you gotta check your first drafts. Um, and so that's that's my message. If you keep telling yourself the wrong story, you're gonna hurt the people around you. All right. Uh, the Second M in comma is meditation. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that idea uh, from my message of kind of if you're telling the wrong story. Um, and, and I want you to take 45 seconds. And you may actually need more time than this. And so it's okay if you want to pause and, and do this. Um, but ask God to show you if there's a situation in your life or maybe a pattern in your life where you've been telling the wrong story. You've been you know, skewing the way things really are. And you need to get some perspective, you know, a situation where you, you know, you're, you're attributing motives or you're, uh, you know, blaming someone or you, you, this is what people are thinking, whatever it is, where God's saying, that's actually not the real story. Ask God to show you the true situation. 45 seconds. All right, let's go to the A in comma, which is application. How do we respond to this passage? Uh, going back to my message, um, being careful of a position leading to pride, I, I, I actually wrote to, you know, make sure that I'm not putting too much stock in myself, uh, in uh, positions that I hold in life, in work, just in general, um, because they can, it can really kind of skew the way, uh, not kind of, it can skew the way that we interact with people um, and carry ourselves, uh, talk with people. So it's good to always have this humble attitude, um, not to let anger or pride or messy, rough, you know, messy first drafts get in the way of how we uh, see ourselves and see other people. 
You've become quite the big deal lately, Nikki. No. I mean, you you are overseeing weekend worship services. Yeah. You produced a CBS Christmas special. You're on you host this podcast. Now you have your am own I, podcast. Am I, I I think you got your I, own podcast, I heard. So yeah. What is the name of your, your new podcast, Nikki? Oh, guys. We're gonna give it a little plug right now. What's the name of it? It's uh the Coffee and Creative Leadership Podcast. And where would somebody find that? Uh, it's on Apple Podcast, uh, the Google Podcast, Anchor, Spotify, all those places. See, this is why this is why Nikki's application has to be that she reminds herself that her position doesn't make her always right because she has <laughs> be, she has become <laughs> she has become a shooting star, uh, a comet of stupendous proportions. The, rea- the reality is, Nikki underplays herself a whole lot. That is true. That is in, true. In, in, That's in why we're making fun right now. Yeah, it's actually a really good podcast. I listened to the the first few episodes, and it's really good. Thank you, so. Eric. All right, my my application is to not make Nikki feel uncomfortable in the. In the <laughs> it's okay. I know it's I all comes from a position that. of love. But it's in all the, good in the podcast studio. Uh, mine is directly connected to my message, which is take responsibility uh, for things you're responsible for, um, and so it's just to to do an inventory and ask: Have I been kind of cutting the corners? Have I been playing the blame game? Have I been shifting responsibility, trying to make it look like I'm squeaky clean when the truth is I should probably just own up to my stuff? Yeah, I think uh, with my message about not telling the wrong story so you don't hurt people, um, I think I think one of the best ways to check that, I'm really going to do two things. Um, one is to to do the meditation exercise of actually praying and asking God to show you where you've been misrepresenting things. And, and often that comes with some journaling or some, some time reflecting. Um, but then also asking other people. Like, it, like if Saul had just like listened to the priest and said, you know what? You're right. Like maybe, maybe I shouldn't be chasing down David. Like this is, this is kind of crazy. Um, it, it would have changed things. And so I think actually asking people to say, can, can I get a read on this situation? Like am I... Am I blowing this out of proportion or whatever? Uh, I gotta, I gotta make sure I'm asking those kind of questions, especially when I feel worked up or threatened uh, by the things going on. That's good. All right. Well, that's all that we have for you this week. Thank you for listening. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. And in the meantime, if you're not following along, you can actually go to BibleSavvy.com to download the reading plan and to start reading. You can also subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.